Welcome to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Winston-Lavelle here with Dana Torrey. We have a full show for you here today. Later on, I will be joined by John Stark's girls basketball coach, Tiffany Lewis. The Generals had a big win last week against Bo that we will talk about shortly. And John Stark has won four games in a row. Uh, they're eight and three overall, so it's been a good season for them. And we will hear more about what has spurred that success a little bit later on with Coach Lewis. Um, the short answer is they have a lot of seniors on their roster that play big roles, which often is the case when we look at why a lot of the teams that we cover are successful. But you'll hear more from Coach Lewis in a little bit. Dan, let's start with this game, John Stark and Bo played last Thursday night at John Stark uh, Regional High School's gym. Generals win uh, the game 50-44. to 44. That was revenge after Bo beat John Stark 51-38 to open the season. Um, Bo also came into Thursday on a five-game win streak. That ended. And this w- win was notable first because for the seniors this is the first time they'd ever beaten ball before and so you figure they probably played twice every season uh you're looking at eight eight games they've played one and seven but uh the last one so far at least uh was one that they got the job done in um eleanor Girardet led john stark with 19.12 rebounds a double double for her she was really good for john stark uh, Abby Duclos had 15 points, five assists, and two steals. And Avery Gomont had 11 points, eight assists, uh, excuse me, eight rebounds, three assists. Um, and so, Dan, the thing that stood out to me watching this game was that John Stark has an advantage having a forward in Girardet who's six feet tall and two guards in Duclos and Gomont who can shoot. That makes it really hard to, to defend them. Yeah, I did see some of the highlights of that game. Um, John Stark, they've got some really good shooters on that team. I know they, I don't know how many threes they had, but they had they had a good number of threes. Um, and then Jarday has that has that presence inside um to get some get some good looks at the basket. Um Bo is without Sydney Roberge, uh, all def, uh, all defensive team pick from last season. Um Bo known uh for its strength on the defensive side. Um of the court. So definitely a blow for the Falcons with her not in the lineup, but Stark is a very well-rounded team. They share the ball and move the ball very well. They get a lot of different players involved. That was the case when I saw them play in the Capital Classic as well. They had a lot of guards who um, took shots outside of um, Duclos. Um, They had a lot of different, different people getting involved in the play and for Stark not only is this the first time they've they've beaten Bowen quite some time but this is also the biggest win that they've had of the season they've they've won a lot of games but this is what I would consider looking at the standings John Stark's first you know marquee win where they're beating a team you know that's above them in in the standings uh, John Stark hadn't done that until tonight um still some big games coming up um Derryfield and Pembroke notably still to come for John Stark but definitely a big win um for the Generals they looked good they looked good in that one so quick math was seven made threes in that game on Thursday which is pretty good uh, especially when you score 50 points to have 21 of them come on three-point shots. Um, and I think also just 
to wrap up our discussion of this game, you look at just Bo, even, even with Sidney Rovers, like they don't have the size to match up with Day unless you're double teaming her, which you could try and they did. And then she can just kick it out for somebody else to knock down a shot. So uh, there's not a lot of teams that have players that are six feet tall, uh, D2 girls basketball in New Hampshire. So um, John Stark did a good job of, ex- of taking advantage of that and certainly something to pay attention to as we get closer to the playoffs. It will be interesting to see how they match up against Pembroke with Annalise Dexter, who's also one of the better uh, forwards in the division. Uh, let's talk about Pembroke. They have a big game coming up on Tuesday night that you'll be at, Dan, uh, going on the road to play Con- Christian, Conquer Christian, 9-0, and Pembroke 10-0. and um, Both teams have two big games this week. Obviously, they're matched up against each other on Tuesday. And then Conquer Christian plays Bishop Girton, Division One team that they've already beaten this year on Friday, while Pembroke will play Bo on Friday, a team that the Spartans also beat earlier this year. What are you kind of looking for as, as we look ahead to, you know, the two top teams in D2 going head to head? I, I, you know, I think if, if Conquer Christian wins this game, they're definitively the best team in the division and and the overwhelming favorites. And in my opinion, um, they've played some tough teams. Um, none of them have been uh, especially close to go back to Conquer Christian's win over Laconia. That was 61 to 38. Um, that is the closest division two game that they've played all year. And that's Laconia's only loss of the season. And that was a 23 point win for them. Um, Conquer Christian, their actual closest game was a, a six point win over division one Bishop Girton. The rematch of that also coming up this week, the other big game for the Kingsman that you alluded to. Um, I, I think we could see some really we could see a very high scoring game against Pembroke. Um, Emma Smith, you know, has can shoot from everywhere. Um, and and she's been having a great season, just crossed a thousand points last week. Uh, maybe it was two weeks ago now. Um, reached a thousand points. Uh Lily Carlisle's, you know, consistently able to put up 20 points. Um Caden Rios also developed into a little bit more of an outside shooter and has been getting some bigger point totals this year than last year so conquer christian can shoot the ball and they do that very well and pembroke's got a nice big target inside with annalise dexter also a thousand point score um so i am looking to see how you know how close i mean i would consider conquer christian um the favorites um if you will, just, you know, kind of seeing how those two teams have played and looking at their scores against common opponents. I would give the edge of Conquer Christian. Um, so I'm wondering you know, how close will this game be? Cause they haven't necessarily had a lot of close games. Um, and I expect a very high scoring game with, with Smith for Conquer Christian and Dexter for Pembroke, both on the, on the floor. So that game coming up on Tuesday, one of several big games on the schedule this week, also in Division Two, recently, uh, Merrimack Valley lost to both Conquer Christian and Pembroke last week. The loss to Conquer Christian, 61-34, and to Pembroke, 59-39. Uh, MV now 5-6. and six. Cole Brown beat Conval, 54-21, but then lost to Laconia, 59-35. And finally, in our area, Bishop Brady has not played since January 19th. So just a quick rundown on where everybody is in the standing. So Conquer Christian is in first, even though they have one fewer win than Pembroke because 
the rating system that the NHIAA uses awards extra for beating a division one opponent in this case, which is the Bishop Girton win. Obviously, a Pembroke win tomorrow on Tuesday would flip-flop them in the standings. So Con Christian 9-0, Pembroke 10-0. John Starks in fifth at eight and three, Bo seventh at seven and three, MV is in 13th at five and six, Cobron 14th at four and six, Bishop Brady 20th out of 22 at one and eight. So you're looking at, I mean, six of these seven teams potentially um, still in contention for, for the playoffs as we hit uh, the final month or so of the regular season. In Division Three, Hopkinton is 10-1 and after back-to-back wins over Stevens, 45-40 on January 19th and 42-39 on January 22nd. Uh, their most recently scheduled game was postponed because of bad weather. I was at the first of those Stevens games, the 45-40 win on the 19th. And, you know, it was not a pretty game, but the Hawks were able to dig down and win it. Uh, they have a new head coach this year. We haven't really talked much about this team yet because we had, I hadn't seen them play in person. But now that we now that I have uh, Mike Mahoney, the new head coach, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he he even said that he's been surprised at how good Hopkinton's been this season. He said he knew that you know Hopkinton's usually pretty well known for churning out good athletes, but they did lose a lot of players off their team last year that made the D three semifinals. So to lose what they did and come back and start 10 and one with a new coach. That is impressive. And Dan there, you know, they're sitting right now at the top of the D three standings. Yeah. You know, to your point about Hopkinton having a lot of good athletes, they get a lot of different players involved. And my impression is that they're a very well-rounded team where they have players who can shoot. They have players who can run the ball. They have some decent size and, and, players that play well in the post and can get to the basket. So, um, you know, that's all, all helpful things to have when, when you're looking to make a deep run, uh, in the playoffs. Um, and, and I've been impressed also about Hopkinton's ability to, to close out some pretty tight games. Um, they've had a lot of, they've had a lot of big wins. Um, but when you look at the scores of, of some of these games, uh, an eight-point win over Kearsarge, a four-point win over Kearsarge. Both of these games against Stevens were pretty tight. Um, you know, they they beat Mananock by seven points and earlier by ten points, which is also a pretty competitive team. So I think that's also um, a positive sign for Hopkinton. It's not just that they've been winning, but they've also been able to um, you know play well in the fourth quarter when it counts and and when when they need the buckets and when they need to make plays, they've been able to do that. It is interesting when you look at the score differential because, you know, on the one hand, as you said, it is, it's encouraging to win those games. You build confidence, especially when those situations arise later in the season, those big games. But you also don't want to fool yourself into thinking, well, we're 10 and 1, we're much better than everybody else because a bad bounce here and about bad, bad bounce there. And, you know, you're not winning a game like that. And if that happens in the playoffs, your season's over. So, um, being able to maintain that perspective of, yeah, we're 10 and one, but we still have work to do because they're not running away with a lot of these games. So obviously wins are wins, but when you, when you start looking at the the schedule and you see, you know, six point win, eight point win, that's great, but that's not indicating that you're far better than anybody uh, just yet. So Hopkinton still tied uh, for first uh, in the D3 standings. Winnesquam right behind them at nine and one. Uh, Lauren McDonald is the leading scorer in Division Three at 25 points per game. She reached the 1,000-point plateau on January 19th. 
And Kearsarge, who Dan mentioned before, is sixth in the division at eight and four. All of the losses by fewer than 10 points, including two by just two points. In Division One, Concord has lost five games in a row since their 52-14 win over Spalding on January 5th. Dan, we talked about this after that Spalding win that the next couple weeks had potentially rough for the Crimson Tide. It seems like that's how things have gone. They, they lost most recently Friday to Nashua South, 58-55. They have a decent chance of getting back on track Friday when they play Winnicunit. Winnicunit 1-9 this year, so Concord will hope to snap a five-game losing streak. And in Division Four, Franklin is on a four-game winning streak. And the Golden Tornadoes have also won seven of the last eight games. They're eight and four after a one and three start to the year. And Courtney Kaplan, one of the leading scorers in Division Four. So that's girls basketball. On the boys hoops side, uh, a few other big games to preview and recap. Uh, we'll start with Pembroke and Merrimack Valley. Those two teams played each other on Friday. Pembroke won 54-45. Spartans are now 9-1. and one. And their next game Tuesday night's a big one, Dan, against Manchester West, 7-2. and two. Um, So I'm sure Pembroke's going to be looking forward to that game at home against a very good Manchester West team. That's a big game um, for, for a lot of reasons. Definitely, you know, two very strong teams, um, you know, possibly seeding and playoff implications, um, depending on, on the outcome of this. You know, this one could decide who's looking at a top four seed and gets that additional um, home game uh, in the playoffs, uh, you know, assuming both of these teams make it that far. Uh, some additional intrigue for this for this one, uh, former Pembroke Academy head coach, Rich Otis, um, who left Pembroke uh, a couple of, uh, I don't remember, maybe three or four years ago now, uh, is taking over at Manchester West. So he is the new head coach of that program. Um, I don't think any of the players who are on the Pembroke roster were there when, when Otis uh, was last with the team. Um, but, you know, you know, programs that, that know each other. Well, um, I'm curious to see, I, I think that one, Eric is going to come down to who can play, who can play better defense. These are both teams that like to push the ball. We've talked about Pembroke. They don't have as much size this year. So they like to use their speed. Uh, Manchester West, uh, I've heard they, they're very good on the offensive side on the ball and it's about, you know, can they, can they settle down and, and play some defense? So I think, I would expect this to be a very fast-paced, high-tempo game, and I think it will come down to you know which team can make you know, more of the defensive stops. Uh, Manchester West has, uh, I believe, the leading scorer in Division Two, Max Shosa, um, who's who's having a great year and and was really on fire in the playoffs last year um, until they ran into uh, Pelham uh, in the, in the final four. So I, I think that'll be a great game, definitely an important game. Um, and I would expect it to be very exciting, very fast paced. And those are always really fun games to watch. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, Pembroke had a big win a few weeks ago at home against Pelham. This is probably the other big, big game on their schedule before the playoffs start. I also want to talk about Merrimack Valley briefly, Dan, because I feel like we, we we had this similar conversation last season where it's really hard to understand this team because, you know, most teams that we cover beat the team they're supposed to lose against the teams that they're quote unquote supposed to. They beat the teams worse than them. They lose to the teams that are better than them. 
Merrimack Valley is five and six. They have wins over Hanover, which is 11 and one, and Manchester West, which is seven and two, but also losses to John Stark, which is three and eight, and Lebanon, three and eight. So it's just kind of odd. I mean, it's kind of playing up and down to your competition. But I mean, to beat Manchester West like MV did and then lose to Pembroke, it just it, it's it's got to be frustrating. First of all, if you're Tim Moocher, the head coach, that like you know your guys are capable of winning these games, but they're just not doing it every every night out. Yeah, I, I think we we talk about a lot of teams that you know that really like to push the ball and play a quick game. Merrimack Valley, that's the opposite. They're they're going to try to beat you with defense and keep the games low scoring. Um, if you look at you know their game against Hanover. Uh, a 35 to 32 victory for MV in the second uh, second game of the season. Uh, so a low scoring game there. Manchester West, a relatively um, you know low scoring game, 52 to to 48 in that one. Um, you know they have they've they've had bigger wins also. Con Valley opened up that was a 78 57 win. They scored 61 points against Brady, 62 against Hollis Brookline, but. I think that's what Envy likes to do. They like to, you know, slow the game down. They like to possess the ball. They play really strong defense and take advantage of the opportunities when when they get them. So, I mean, I think, you know, Coach Moocher has been in the program for a while now, and they have a game plan. And, you know, I think if they, you know, if they can execute the game plan and, and upset some of these teams, you know, who, who knows what will happen, especially in the playoffs. I wouldn't want to face a team like, Merrimack Valley, you know, if, if if when it comes down to one game, you know, and they have a really good game plan, which Coach Moocher does a great job with that program. They've consistently been a playoff team and uh, last year made a run to the quarterfinals and lost a, a game in overtime to Laconia. So uh, regardless of record, I expect them to be very competitive, but it does seem that they they like to you know slow the game down a little bit, uh, really try to take advantage of those low scoring uh, defensive efforts. So MV five and six, they play Pelham on the road Tuesday night, another game against a good team. So we'll see how they fare there. Um, Bo beat John Stark on Thursday, 69-53. Falcons are seven and three on the season and have won four in a row after a three and three start. They play Lebanon on Tuesday and John Stark, which was three and five after a dramatic overtime win over MV back on January 18th has subsequently lost three in a row. Um, John Stark plays Kingswood on Tuesday. I do want to pause there though, because I was at that MV John Stark game and we didn't get a chance to talk about it because we didn't record a podcast last week because of the New Hampshire primary, but that was an impressive win for John Stark. Uh, Elliot Bellevue hit the game-winning uh, three-pointer at the buzzer. And, you know, I talked to head coach Mike Smith afterwards, and that win was their third of the year, meaning they tripled their win total from last year, won a game on the road. Uh, and he said that was kind of just a testament to all the work that, you know, he didn't really want to take credit for, but the players and a lot of the players' families put into just rebuilding the culture of this program. He said that, you know, during COVID they didn't really have a game plan for how to rebuild afterwards. And that kind of caught up to them the last few years, but you know, they, they're, they're now three and eight. So things have kind of turned back in the negative direction the last couple of weeks, but uh, there is some reason for excitement about this program turning the corner after a rough couple of years. So um, that was an exciting win, although uh, things have not gone as well since 
Um, and then finally, wanted to mention Cole Brown, the Bears on a five-game win streak after a 51-49 win over Laconia, a big win for Cole Brown on Friday. Uh, Bears play at Bishop Brady on Tuesday. So in terms of the standings, Pembroke right now tied for second in Division Two at 9-1. and one. Cole Brown in fourth at 8-2. and two. Bo in sixth at 7-3. and three. MV 12th at 5-6. and six. John Stark tied for 16th at 3-8. and eight. And Bishop Brady tied for last at 0 and 9. There are 20 teams in Division Two. One note about John Stark and and the playoff outlook. So there's 20 teams in Division Two, which means top 14 make it in based on the 70% rule. So John Stark's in 16th of three wins. The three teams above them, Hollis, Brookline, Milford, and Sanborn, all have four wins. So you know. Stark picks up a couple wins down the stretch and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're going from the the seller of division two in, in years past to now there there's a realistic shot that, uh, you know, they can be in the playoffs at the end of the year. Yeah, certainly something to uh, monitor uh, for sure, as uh, that would be a good story, even if it is a, a double digit seed. So uh, John Stark plays Kingswood uh, on Tuesday night. In Division Three, Hopkinton is eight and three now. They're in fifth place in the standings. They've won seven in a row after a one and three start to the year. Beat Stevens 58-42 back on January 19th. They have not played since again because of some bad weather in the area. Uh, they also had a 51-46 win over Guilford a few days before the Stevens win that I was at. And it was a rematch of last year's D3 semifinal. Guilford, uh, the two-time defending division three champions um had they've lost some players so this isn't the same caliber uh team that they've had the last couple of years but still an impressive win for hopkinton the hawks will play campbell on tuesday and then talking about impressive turnarounds i know we don't talk about here sarge a ton but the cougars are 10 and 3 fourth place in division three They've won seven in a row since losing to Hopkinton 47-46 uh, back on January 5th. Um, Kearsarge finished last year four and 14. So they've already have a they already have a six-win improvement, Dan. And you know, you gotta be impressed with what Nate Camp has done uh, with this program. Absolutely. Kearsarge ran into some bad luck last year. Uh, two years ago, Kearsarge was you know seconds away from uh, winning a championship by defeating Guilford. Um, you know, Guilford made some key plays down the stretch. It was a wire to wire game and Guilford, you know, pulled out, pulled out the win. Um, some bad luck for Kearsarge last year, losing point guard Noah Whipple, I believe he's a point guard, losing Noah Whipple in the offseason. So he did not get to play. He was really the only player on that team who had a lot of significant varsity experience but a lot of other guys they got you know they got um some key minutes on the varsity floor in his stead and now no Whipple's back playing great and everyone else is coming back after a, another year of experience and you know they're they've they've picked up some big wins so Hopkinton Kearsarge two teams to keep an eye on in division three in Division One, the picture is less rosy. Concord 0-10 now after a 67-40 loss to Nashua South on Friday. Concord does have a decent shot of picking up its first one of the year on this coming Friday when they play Winnicunit, which is 2-8. and So, again, 0-10. We, we've talked about the struggles for this program. Uh, still looking for their first win of the year. 
And in Division Four, Franklin eight and four this year, having won four in a row, seven of eight, just like the girls' team after one and three start to the season. Zeke McCoy, 35 points shy of 1,000, or as of recording, he might be a little bit closer to that mark because they're playing right while we're recording against Conquer Christian. Um, Franklin will also play at Pittsfield on Wednesday, where it seems most likely that McCoy will hit that milestone. In boys hockey, Concord moved to 7-0-1 on the season after a 3-0 win over Bedford on Saturday. That was a rematch of the Division I semifinal from last year's playoffs. Bedford not as good this year, but still a big win for, big win for Concord, keeping the tide atop the D1 standings. Concord plays at Londonderry on Wednesday and then hosts Pinkerton at Everett Arena Saturday night. Bo, meanwhile, now 8-3 and three after a 4-3 win over Nashua North Sauhegan on Saturday. The Falcons are fourth in Division One and host Bedford on Wednesday. I will be at that game. And then Division Three, Belmont Guilford has been playing really well lately. They're 6 0 oh, 1 after a 2 and 2 start. So now they're 8 2 and 1 overall, second place in D3. They beat Sanborn, Epping, Raymond 9 to 1 on Saturday. And right below Belmont Guilford in the standings, Pembroke Campbell 7 and 2, third place. Uh, they beat John Stark, Hopkinton, Hillsborough, Deering 8-0 on Saturday. And then in girls hockey, Concord has won back-to-back -back games for the first time all year. They beat Bedford 4-0 back on January 20th, and then Conval Conan 8-0 on January 27th this past Saturday. The Tide hosts Kingswood Prospect Mountain at Everett Arena on Wednesday. And then rounding out girls hockey, Bishop Brady, Trinity Londonderry 3-6. They beat Bedford 3-1 to one Saturday to snap a five-game losing streak, and they will play Berlin, Gorham, Kennett Monday night, and then at Salem on Wednesday. Let's pivot to some wrestling, Dan. You were at the Capital Classic at Concord High School, lots of area teams. What were your big takeaways? It's actually the Capital City Classic. I got that wrong in the notes. I'm, you know, between the Capital Classic Basketball Tournament and the Capital City Classic for wrestling now. I And we also have the Capital Cup and Alpine Skiing. So lots uh, of Well, which we still have, uh, well, more more on that, maybe more on that later. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it was a great, you know, it's a very well-run tournament. You know, Concord, you know, they might be down as far as, you know, how they're doing in, in some of these tournaments and, you know, not quite the heyday that they've had in, you know, the last couple of decades, but it's, it's the infrastructure around the program is so impressive. It's a very well-run tournament. When you go into the gym, they have five mats going, they've got, you know, the, the, uh, projector with, you know, the scores and the standings up, you know, great concessions. Like it's a very well-organized, uh, fun event that I've been very lucky to, um, cover the last couple of years um which is you know it, it's a very unique uh type of event you know a wrestling tournament we don't have a lot of those in our in our area uh story of the day locally bow finishing fourth out of 25 teams we think that's bow's best ever finish at the capital city classic um more likely it's the first time they've ever beaten Concord um, early in, in anything wrestling related. That was uh, 
coaching staff and 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 myself and my memory pretty certain about that. So that was a big finish for Bo and uh, Coach Bill Chavanel of the Falcons had said at the beginning of the year their goal was to be able to compete with some of the best teams in in the whole state. Uh, and now they're beating those teams, um, not just competing, beating them. Um, the first place team at that 25 team event was Bishop Hendrick in Rhode Island. Noble Maine was in second. Third was Pinkerton. So the, the biggest NHIAA school, um, biggest high school in the state of New Hampshire, their division one. And then division three bow was in fourth place, topping Concord that finished in fifth. So a really good sign for the Falcons as, um, you know, teams are starting to look ahead to the wrestling championships that will be on Saturday, the 17th. I think that's the 17th. Um, that Saturday are, are when all the wrestling championships will be held. Bo has been very upfront. Their goal is to win that state title. Um, certainly looking like they are in a good position to do that after some strong finishes in these big tournaments. Bo finished behind Keene and Concord and tied with Pinkerton for third at um at the keen minic yellow holiday tournament in the first weekend of the new year so bo you know, leapfrogging keen and conquered in the standings in this one bo led by uh adler mora a champion at 113 pounds ben mcdowell the runner-up at 165 jared dolder fourth at 150 and chase flag fifth at 190 the place winners for the falcons in this one of course they also had a lot of other wrestlers uh, who went deep in in the championship brackets and then fought their way through the consolation bracket to pick up some more wins and and rack up some more points um so mora you know pretty solid day all but one of his victories is by pin and route to his title and then conquers colin burke uh, a junior picking up his second major title of the season he won one the 120 crown at Keene, their big tournament. And now he did the same thing on his home mats on Saturday. Junior Cullen Burke, the 120 pound champion. Wayne Gutierrez Sakakini, the runner up in the heavyweight division, 285 pounds. He was the runner up there. And then Griffin Norwall in third place in the 126 division. And Devin uh, Farwell, sixth at 215. The other place winners for the Crimson Tide at this one. So a very successful day for the Falcons. Uh, feeling pretty good about, about things. Um, things are going to pick up in wrestling as they will in many other sports as we, you know, inch ever closer to that uh, busiest two weeks of the winter season when every championship except basketball and hockey happen. Um, so that's everything in the wrestling world. Um, we were hoping we'd have some updates from the Capital Cup. We don't have those yet, but we will definitely have something in the monitor about that later. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully for Wednesday, if not, if not, uh, you know, sooner than that. And then we'll definitely talk about it on the podcast next week. But the Capital Cup featuring all of the area. Uh, Alpine ski teams, they combine the boys and girls scores from that, uh, that uh, is either done or happening as we speak. So we will talk about that. That was a rescheduled event from Friday, continuing this ironic stretch of all the skiing races either being canceled due to lack of snow or too much snow. Um, 
and, and bad travel conditions. Uh, we will also have something later this week on the Nordic New Hampshire Coaches Series. That's the biggest event of the year. It's all the Nordic teams in the state. It's two races. The first one was this past Sunday, the freestyle race. Those scores, which are not available yet, but theoretically will be, and those will be combined with the results of the classic race that's happening in about two weeks uh, in many cases, bigger than the division championships, because this is every single program in the state and prep schools as well that attend this. Um, so, you know, Alpine championships are going to be happening uh, starting February 12th. I think February 12th, 13th, 14th are all the Alpine championships. Indoor track championships are going to be on Sunday, February 11th. Um, February 6th are the seed meetings for those. So that will determine who. Uh, who will be competing in what events. And then based on those numbers, we can kind of get a better idea of how things might shake out team-wise. Um, but based on what I've seen so far, I would expect the Co-Brown and the John Stark boys to be the two uh, most likely teams at a top three finish locally. Um, and then February 17th, they're all the wrestling championships. So between... Uh, and then the swimming championships are on the 10th. So between the 10th and the 17th, we are going to have a lot of championships. And uh, I did not mention this during basketball, but Division Three, which for some reason Division Three is ending two weeks earlier than all the other divisions. Um, the 80s uh, come to, I don't know how they come to that um, decision, but the Division Three uh, season will end two weeks ahead of all the other divisions. So playoffs are going to be starting in just two weeks for Division Three. So definitely a lot of, uh, believe it or not, it feels like we kind of just started, but we are already looking at, uh, already looking at playoffs and championships, Eric, coming up soon. Seems to be how it always is, right? We feel like we just started, and then next thing you know, we're talking about <laughs> playoffs. So, uh, yeah, certainly lots of lots of events to look forward to, and we will have all of them covered to the best of our ability when we do get results. Uh, let's get to my interview with John Stark, girls basketball coach Tiffany Lewis. Here with John Stark, girls basketball coach, Tiffany Lewis. Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on. Thank you for having me. So we're chatting following the girls' big win on Thursday night over Bo. Uh, John Stark won that game 50-44, to and from what I heard, the first time that this senior class has ever beaten Bo, um, and you guys play each other twice a year usually, now, now that you've had a little bit more time to digest how the game went Thursday night, um, Tiffany, like what what stands out to you most about what you saw from the girls? Um, so last night, like we shared the ball really well. I've had a chance to go back and watch some of the game from last night. We shared the ball well, and our defense. We had some like just like silly lapses still where they were able to get a couple like easy buckets off of it. Um, but our help side rotation has been much better the last like four games especially that we've had that like our little win streak going now and we're kind of getting into our groove defensively and offensively we've had three girls the last two games in double digits which has made a big difference for us as well and you you mentioned how you know you have a team with five seniors who are all playing big roles can you talk a little bit about just the growth of, you know, this group? Because, you know, a year ago, almost exactly, you played Bo and lost 
60 to 26. So what's the progression from getting to losing by 34 to now, you know, winning a game like last night? Um, I think just like last year, I talked to you about this last night, like, and that game didn't stay close for us last year, unfortunately. Um, but we've like had our tougher, like stretch, our middle point in the season was a tough stretch for us. Uh, and I feel like the girls are stepping up both in games and in practices. I got a bunch of younger girls that are, they're all working very hard in practice and we're challenging our teammates a bit more. Um, and just like mentally, I feel like we were more prepared going into the game last night. I feel like sometimes we have like, um, we talked about this with the girls, sometimes we have like a mental block and it's like, what's going on? So we just like talked through it before the game and at halftime and just like talked about like we had goals for the game and we just talked about those and continued to like make sure we were like hitting our goals and what like we had things we were focusing on as a team. And we just, I talked to you also, but just keeping our composure. Um, I have very, I have all seniors starting for me and for the most part, that was all that played. I had a couple freshmen that played last night as well. Um, but just being able to use their, just like just their experience from the past and being able to finish out those games now. It, it's, it sounds very simple, but I think you talk to any high school coach, right? They're going to say that you have, your life is much easier when you have seniors with that level of experience that play for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> we started to move the ball better, I think, and be able to find, like, the open person, too. And, yeah, as you said, lots of assists last night um, and, and also did a great job rebounding. I want to talk, uh, segue to talk about... Uh, Eleanor Giraday, who had a double-double last night, 19 points and 12 rebounds, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I, I, I yep. assume that she, you know, being a six-foot-tall forward playing Division II basketball in New Hampshire, she's not going to see a lot of players that are going to be able to match her height-wise. So she seemed to do a really great job of exploiting that advantage last night. Yeah, we definitely had the size advantage last night and just being able to, like, use that to, like, are like being able to use that for us in a positive way like and taking advantage of that um i think it made a big difference for us like getting on the boards and being able to finish she shot really well around the basket last night um and i think in our last three or four games she's had double doubles each game she had 19 19 rebounds in our pelham game on tuesday and i think the thing that's impressive about watching her is you know you'll see you know kids who in high school who are taller than a lot of the other players on the floor, but they either still panic when they have the ball around the rim or maybe they don't have much range. She could shoot from beyond the arc. She could, you know, she was hitting shots close to the rim. Like, what, what is that? Is that something that kind of stands out to you too when you watch her play, just how, you know, she's versatile and where she can shoot and she's also not really ever panicking out there? Yeah, she's very, like, calm and in control a lot of the time. And she's such a big threat for us because she can finish around the post even if she's got sometimes two or three girls on her she's still finishing and then go if they don't step out and contest her on the perimeter she's going to step and shoot and she has a, a great shot from behind the arc also so it makes her a very she's a big point for us and it makes her very threatening to other teams because she's so versatile and can play both inside and out and then two of the guards that she was setting up last night who had big games as well abby duclos and avery gomont um Avery, I think, hit two threes late in the fourth quarter. That kind of helped you guys build a little bit of breathing room late. Um, you know, how, how helpful is it to have not only a, a forward, but also two guards that you can kind of trust to knock down big shots in those moments? Oh, it's so huge for us, especially when, like, there were points in the game last night where they dropped, like, three and sometimes four girls into the paint on L. 
and just being able to have that option to kick out and knowing that like your teammates are going to knock those shots down they're going to make them and like Abby had a couple threes in the third and then Avery hit those two threes in the fourth quarter which were huge for us just like a momentum shift and a little bit of breathing room for us also so four wins in a row now um and you know girls are trying to lock up a, a top four seed in division two still several games left uh you have seven left on the schedule before the playoffs start so another three three and a half weeks of the season uh regular season at least um you you talked last uh thursday night about just you know how defense has been one of the big reasons why the girls have had more success lately you said that you've been playing more zones switch to man-to-man why has that switch worked out well do you think um for us like it it was almost like one day in practice. I think mean, it was a game at the beginning of January, I think, that we played. It may have been Lebanon. Um, just, like, we have been working on it and working on our man and our help side and being able to see it and just, like, trusting that, like, if I get beat off the dribble, my teammate's going to have my back and we're going to have that help side rotation. And when we came back from winter break, that was something that, as a team, just, like, it clicked for us. Like, the light bulb went on. Like, all five players were on. Like, they were on the court. We're on the same page. And we've only continued to improve our like man-to-man in our our half-court set. And they've been doing a great job of even just, like, offensive rebound. Like, last night there was one point where Bo got a couple offensive rebounds in a row and us just being able to shift and scramble to find that player. Um, But being able to have each other's backs, and it's just something that clicked for us. And we were were comfortable in the zone, but we've kind of gone out of our comfort zone and playing man, and it's working out very well for us. Yeah, like, how, how much zone had you been playing before the last month or so? Um, well, last well, so last year we played zone probably 80% of the time. Um, this year, first couple games, we were playing it for large portions of the game. And then I think over the holiday break is when we started to kind of implement it. We had the holiday tournament. Um, we started to kind of transition to playing man. It was starting to work for us. So we've really been, like, working on that in practice as a team and um, just continuing to work on those help side concepts. And it's, it's you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm curious, though, um, you know, what was it about zone initially that, that you, you liked it so much to play that much? Because it is challenging, especially for uh, high school age players, to be able to communicate because you obviously have to communicate very well in any defense, but zone in particular because particular, you can't always see what's happening behind you. Um, what, what, what was the kind of reasoning behind going with that uh, at first? So we played a matchup zone when we played it, so we were kind of still had those like man concepts with it also, um, and being able to like hand players off. And it was something that we played in. It's the same same kind of zone we've run since I've been at Stark. This is my fifth year now. Um, and it's a zone that they've always used and they were very comfortable with. Um, and so just like we we were starting to have like lapses with it. So something needed to change. So that's when we started to kind of transition to man a little bit more because we weren't like we were getting beat out of the zone sometimes occasionally. So we started to switch over to that man um, and just trying something else for us. So um, I'm always interested in how coaches uh, approach their game strategy because basketball, uh, obviously you have multiple different defense you could play and, and getting everybody to buy into that can sometimes be challenging depending on what type of system it is. So uh, interesting to kind of hear how the defensive changes helped spur success. Um, Tiffy, I know this is also, if I'm correct, your second year as the head coach um, with this program. So, like, what, 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 what were some of the things that you took away from last year that maybe helped you as a coach 
um, you know, learn and, and, and grow uh, from last season to put the girls in an even better position this year? Um, I think just, like, like I've obviously grown as, like, a coach myself, only, like, seen in my second year, but just taking, like, more feedback from the girls from, like, the end of last season um, with, like, things we need to work on, just, like, more conditioning in practice. So we've been doing a lot more conditioning to be able to last those four quarters and be able to finish out games. Um, we oftentimes were getting beat at the end of the game or in the fourth quarter last year. Um, and just, like, being able to, like, keep them on the, like, the same page and just kind of work on that cohesiveness as a team and, like, the unit that we have with the 12 girls um, and being able to get along and be comfortable with playing with whoever you have on the court, whoever the five girls are that are on the court. So now as we look ahead to the rest of the season, uh, how do you kind of make sure that, you know, Thursday night's win was great for, for the team, very exciting, worth celebrating, but how do you make sure that doesn't become something the girls are too hung up on and they're still focused on, you know, winning games the rest of the way to secure a strong seed come playoff time i think just looking at like the bigger picture for us right now like we're obviously trying to make a playoff run and it would be great to lock up that like top four like being able to end up in that top four and being able to have um home playoff games so just kind of like we'll celebrate we have practice today so being able to talk about positives and negatives from the game yesterday things we have to continue to work on um but then getting ready to move forward to our next game our games next week um just being able to like take the positives out of it and like things that we need to continue to uh, like take those things to the next game and we've really been working on like coming out fast and with a lot of speed at the beginning of the game uh, and that played off really well for us just being able to have those strong first quarter second quarter of the games for us just keeping that up and just looking at the end we're looking at the end of the season we're looking for the next couple of weeks to have a strong finish Tiffany anything else you want to add about John Stark girls basketball that we didn't discuss They've, they've just been working really hard. They're a great group of girls uh, to coach. I've got, obviously, I have my five seniors, but I've got those girls in practice that maybe aren't seeing a bunch of time in games but are working hard to make their teammates better, which makes a difference when you can have a, the all 12 girls be super competitive in practice and being able to challenge their teammates. So the success is really coming from all 12 girls in the program, and the girls are working hard. They're staying positive, and they're, they're doing the little things right. And... Last night was a huge win for us and such a confident, but like a very statement win for us. And it was something we needed. All games are must-win games, and that was one of them last night. All right, Tiffany Lewis, John Stark girls basketball coach. The Generals now 8-3 and three on the season. Next game coming up at Kingswood on Tuesday. Coach Lewis, thanks for joining the podcast. Great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Dan, we heard from Coach Lewis in her second year as the head coach at John Stark. Um, you know, again, this is a team that I would not sleep on as we look toward the playoffs. Just not a team you want to match up against when you have a six-foot-tall player and two guards that can knock down shots and a team that has experience. Um, this is a team that, as Coach talked about, you know, they struggled a lot in the middle of the season last year. I mean, they – they played Bo at Bo basically a year exactly before uh, ago, a year ago Thursday, basically from that game. And they lost that game, I think it was 60 to 26. So to go from losing that game by 34 to beating Bo um, is kind of a testament to just the growth that this group of returning players has um, has made in the, in the subsequent year. And, you know, we talk about all the time, experience matters a lot. And, and John Stark's a good example of that. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's 
I was thinking about this when, um, you know, you'd said that, that coach Lewis was going to be the guest for this podcast, how, you know, in the 12 years I've been with the monitor, John Starks never really been like known as an athletic school, um, necessarily, but you know, in the last two or three years, all of a sudden, you know, football team, the basketball teams, the wrestling team. I mean, John Stark, they're pretty much everything now. They're, you know, they're, they're a force. They're, they're a, a, an athletic school um, on the rise. And, and we're really happy for all those programs to see um, just the growth and, and, and that experience. And, you know, especially at the high school level, that's what it's about. You know, they're sticking with it. They're, you know, taking some losses and gaining experience and they're learning from it and getting better. So always, always, you know, good stories to, to hear. And again, thank you to coach Lewis for joining us on the show. Big games coming up again this week, Pembroke and Concord Christian girls basketball, two undefeateds remaining in division two Pembroke boys hosting Manchester West Concord boys looking for their first win of the season. So uh, lots to look forward to this week for sure. For Dana Torrey, I'm Eric Winston Lavelle. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Monitor Sports Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.